Welcome, John, to another episode of Coffee with Source. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Excellent. Hey, Emma, thanks a lot. It's a blast to be back. So, I mean, you you reached out and you said that you, you know, you had some some stories you wanted to share with me and our listeners, and it really touched my heart. So thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, I've just been in this kind of quest for knowledge. It's yeah, a lifelong yeah. quest, but here at the holidays, I got a lot more time on my hands. Yeah, and, so for uh, our listeners, today is Monday, December 27th at about noon. And John was just starting to tell me how he felt like so energetic and childlike. And I was like, wait, pause. I'm, I'm going to press record because <laughs> I want I want the listeners to hear this. So how do you, how did the holidays make you feel? Well, so first and foremost, I believe that during the holidays, it's 48 hours of being a child all over again. Because <laughs> I, I think you're forced to relive many of your past uh, holidays and Christmases, what have you, and both mentally, but more importantly, emotionally. And then like my kids are pretty much raised now. So I got a little bit of a vacation when they were younger because I was so focused on giving them a magical time. I didn't have to focus so much on my childhood, but now that I'm older and they're older, Christmas is completely different. Oh, isn't it though? I love that you're saying that because for me this year, it was like you said, like the kids are getting older. Yeah. Um, You know, my eldest son is cohabitating with his, with his girlfriend. And it was the first Christmas that, you know, for about a month before I didn't know, like, you know, I can't believe I'm already at this stage in life where it's like, am I going to see him Christmas Eve? Is he going to wake up and open up his gifts with us on Christmas morning, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of time to reflect on, on our lives. And I love that. Yeah. No, nobody got a toy. Uh, (laughs) There was no like have to get gift kind of thing. It kind of makes it relaxing too, because the kids aren't jonesing so much to get you to the tree to open stuff because they kind of don't care. You know, they do care, but you know, when you talk about that childlike energy, that's me. Like I care, I make it a big deal. And you know, like I wake up with my Christmas pajamas and (laughs) I wake everyone up and I put the French toast casserole in the oven and the Christmas music's blasting. And, you know, this year they were like, not too early. And I was like, but what do you mean? Not too early. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Managing expectations on my end, I think was the big challenge this year. There you go. There you go. I'll tell you the other thing I love about the holiday, and I know it's tough on a lot of people, and I can relate to that too, and I'll speak on that. But um, I love Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, Bing Crosby, <laughs> Sammy Davis Jr. I love listening to that music. Yeah. And it's my excuse to listen to it for, you know, multiple hours every day to get in the spirit. <laughs> Same. I absolutely love it. And, you know, it's interesting because I'm in Montreal and we get a radio station from Vermont, uh, 92.9. Now they start playing Christmas music on November 15th. It's like right before American Thanksgiving. 
Yeah. And they play it straight through to the holidays. And we don't have that here. So you have to, you know, put on a playlist or whatever, but they always play the oldies and the goodies. And I love it. It just, it sets the tone. Uplifting. Yeah. Music can be very uplifting. And, and, and that kind of brings my next topic that I want to mention to your listeners, Emma. So, so you get the high with Christmas and you're forced to go through all the emotions. And, you know, sometimes people just like break down and cry because there's just so much rush of emotion. Um, but, and then you get the day after the holiday and that's like the holiday hangover. Not, not so much like you got drunk. Well, maybe you did, but it's the holiday hangover and it's, it's the tough part of the holiday because the holiday is over. And, and, and how do you manage that? Yeah. Like especially people in business, you're going to be going back to business soon. And, and how do you manage? Like, you know, the thought is, and, and, and it's based on strategy, but What's to look forward to is the first thing. That's a bad question to ask. Um, not what's to look forward to because that's self-defeating. What can I look forward to? Mm. Or what am I looking forward what to? What am I looking forward to? Yeah. And, and if you don't have anything, asking that question should produce a piece of paper with a pen. You know, well, it's time to goal set. You got to have something that jazzes you that you're going towards. Yeah. And I think that's, the thing with, you know, resolutions and I'm of the mindset now that it's not about a resolution. It's not about this desire to want to just change your life completely because it's a new year or change yourself completely, but see how you can show up as a better version of yourself with all that you've learned in the last year. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not the same person that I was a year ago. So what have I, you know, what have I learned? What do I know with a hundred percent conviction that I, you know, what are the mistakes I don't want to repeat? What are some of the aspects that I absolutely loved and would like to explore? Sure. About getting curious about how we can level up our lives and our businesses without holding, you know, this, this word resolution for me, it's like, when I hear, you know, I'm setting this new year's resolution, I almost feel defeated when I hear the word. Yeah. You know, in, in words are important, you know, what we say to people is important and how we describe what we're doing is important, particularly if it doesn't jazz you. So like if resolution means that you know, you didn't do it right the year before, so you got to resolve to do it better. That's kind of self-defeating. So I would use vision. What's my vision list? hundred you know, How can I create a more powerful vision to go into the future and, and, and be able to become, you know, what I'm meant to be? Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, I, 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 I coach my clients to step mm-hmm. away from saying, you know, we'll take weight loss, for example, but it's like, you know, yeah. this year I want to lose 50 pounds. That's my, that's my resolution. You know, I want to stop eating sugar. I want to go to the gym and I want to lose 50 pounds. And although that's noble, what we need to be asking ourselves is what can I do differently on a daily basis that will help me, you know, reach that desired outcome. And by asking the questions and getting curious about what can I do? Because if that was your mm-hmm. resolution or your goal last year and you didn't achieve it and you've been beating yourself up, what obviously something needs to change. 
Yeah. So if your desire is still to lose 50 pounds, it's like, okay, but what do I need to do? What do I need? Do I need a bigger support system? Do I need to evaluate my relationship with food? Do I need to see how I'm, you know, going to work? Is it bringing a lunch instead of eating out? Whatever it is, we got to get curious about how we're going to make it happen. I like it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. Because uh, you can measure points of strategy, but you can't measure, well, you can measure, but it's really a really difficult thing to say, hey, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. And so you get to the first week and you only lost one and you're moving in the right direction, but you could also be like setting your body up for massive weight loss and not even know it. And you're not changing the core habits. I mean, whether it's weight Mm -hmm. loss or you're an encyclopedia salesman and you're going door to door and you're starting off the new year and you say, you know, my goal is to sell a hundred of these bad boys a week. That's fine. But what are you going to do differently? If that was your goal last year, and you were selling 50 a week, what are you going to do differently? What are you going to get curious about? Is it your strategy? Is it your approach? Is it you're going to get up an hour earlier? Is it, you know, whatever it is, you need to get curious about what you can do to make that happen. And sometimes when we do that, we reverse engineer and the questions we ask ourselves allows us to realize that maybe that's not the goal, right? Have you ever had one of those moments where you're just like, you know, you reverse engineer something that you think you want so badly and you realize that's not quite it. Like, I don't really want to lose 50 pounds. 50 pounds would be too much. The more realistic goal would be 35 because I know I'm going to gain muscle mass. Does that make sense? I think I lost John. I'm having a conversation with myself, but as I wait for him to come back, oh, and he left. As I wait for John to come back, I think, you know, he'll agree. And that sometimes, you know, when you reverse engineer the goals and you look at that 50 pounds and you start to get curious about what you can do, what your body can handle. And John is back with me. Um, I'm just going to finish my thought. But when you you know, you look at that goal and you say 50 pounds, and then you start to actually evaluate your lifestyle, your environment and what's possible for you. That's when you can tweak the objectives to make it match your lifestyle. Are you back with me, John? Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) You disappeared. (laughs) I know that was so strange. We've been having these intermittent uh, network issues quite, quite odd. Oh, I know it's been happening with so many people. Technology's uh, glitching out. Yes, exactly. But uh, but I wholeheartedly agree with you that uh, you know stay in the process, make process changes to get a desired outcome. One hundred percent, and surrender in, in personal development. Yeah, yeah, I love that. So, what what's been inspiring you these days? What's you know, what's keeping you going? Yeah. So, uh, so most of your listeners know by now I've been doing the same gig for 31 years in different flavors. I've been in professional sales. And so, uh, so I've been off these last couple of weeks leading up into the new year and, uh, been reading a lot of really good, solid biographies that I've been getting a lot of inspiration from. And, and I'd encourage your listeners, Emma, to read good biographies because it is so motivating and so inspirational. 
I agree with you. I actually just had a conversation with someone this morning and they asked me what, what gave me the motivation and the inspiration to start this podcast. And I said, well, it's funny. You know, all I can say is it's divine intervention, but I Uh do divine, divine inspiration. But what I can tell you is that it's this insatiable curiosity to learn about people's stories. What has contributed to making them who they are, what they're doing with that, how they've, you know, absorbed the, the lessons that they've learned and how they're helping raise, you know, the consciousness and, and the vibes of the planet and whatnot. And I think what you're saying about reading a biography is, is so true. It's so inspirational. And sometimes we admire a lot of people or we think, oh, so-and-so is such a great actor, a great politician, but we don't know anything about them. Right, right. That's, uh, that's, that's true. And then too, like I watch um, documentaries and, and, and biopics on the, on the internet and things like that. And that's really inspirational too. The nice thing about it is because, you know, I'm an analogy guy from our first conversation, <laughs> but, but it's kind of like you, you can have the, uh, you can have the bad outcome and you can see the victory from, um, but you get to do it through somebody else's, uh, somebody else has to go through it and you just get to read about it, but it's just as powerful as you going through it and you can still get the wisdom, even though it wasn't you. And in one biopic I just saw that was super inspirational to me, Nicole Kidman plays Lucille Ball. Mm. And uh, here's something a lot of people don't know, but um, there were, you know, these days, a normal, successful TV show will get like 10 million viewers. That's considered to be outstanding. Back when Lucille Ball was around and um, the I Love Lucy show was on, she got 60 million viewers. Wow. They notated that during the run of the show, when her show aired, that there was uh, less water used. Nobody took a bath. Nobody took a shower during the airing of her show. Um, and they had trouble keeping employees during those hours because they wanted to be home watching the show, you know, before the, (laughs) it's wild. Like she, her show, like moved the market, so to speak. Why do you think that is? It was so well done. The chemistry was so strong. She personally was a comedic genius. And, and I think, uh, and I think her, her husband, Desi Arnaz, I think he was a business genius. And, uh, and I think he brought out the best of her on stage. Like it was a true, like, love affair, so to speak. They had a lot of problems outside of the show. But, but as far as, like, when they were on stage, it was almost like they were on a date together every time they got that. on stage. And, uh, and I think that synergy and everything made better comedy. And I think they had great writers and great actors, but she was truly, and, and you see it from this biopic, like she was a taskmaster. And even though they had a director, she directed many of the, many of the uh, ideas. She was the one that decided how they were going to be done, both on her part and other actors' parts. I love that. 
because she could like see it in her mind's eye before yeah. it happened. And, and that brings up a good like inspirational piece. And, and that's what I got out of it is like, you have to see it before you can, before you can have it. And Great she was show. able to see like a whole show, how it was going to run, who was going to do what, if it was going to work, if it wasn't going to work, what needed to be changed. Going back to the person trying to lose 50 pounds, like she was able to see the outcome before the outcome. Yeah. And that's what I teach all the time. It's not about the number on the scale. It's about a feeling. And so mm -hmm. when you, you know, wake up in the morning and you can see yourself in your ideal body, regardless of what the number is on the scale, but how are you feeling? What do you look like? You know, are you smiling? Are you more energetic? Are you more confident? That's how you make it happen. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so, yeah. I, I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with Neville Goddard, but no, I don't believe I am. No. But that's exactly what he teaches. And he was, you know, way okay. avant-garde before his time. I think he was popular in the 1920s, but that was what he taught was that it's not enough to just imagine it. You know, it's great to say, I want a pony. I'd like to have a pony this time next year. You know, I'd like to have a pony. But right. to see yourself on the pony and how it feels to brush the pony and to feed the pony and how is it going to make you feel to spend time with the I don't even know why I'm talking about a pony because I don't think no no because it's an know. unobtainable goal for many people many people it would be a stretch right like but for me you know I'll take my and mine I want a Tesla don't ask but I want a Tesla okay good for you yeah and and so, you know, when I came across his work and I thought, well, that's so, that's so brilliant because a lot of us have vision boards and you cut out a picture of a Tesla and you tell yourself, you know, these are the goals that I need. This is what I need to do. But the way he teaches it is about seeing yourself in that car going, you know, going and, and, and going out of your way to making a connection with it. And that's what I did. I went to the Tesla dealership, made an appointment uh -huh. Yeah. got in the car, got the feeling of it, got the, you know, the smell, the, and that's what it's about. It's about seeing it in your mind so clearly that when it happens, it's familiar. Absolutely. Did you write down like what your Tesla you want and what color? Oh, you I want? wrote down the model. I wrote down, you know, the year I wrote down the, down to the details, you know, went on the site, nice. built it out and I have a picture of it, but the step for me that was so stepping out of my comfort zone was actually uh -huh. going to the Tesla dealership with not a penny to my name to buy, you know, to buy a Tesla. Right. And then I thought, well, they don't know that. And so I got all gussied up and I marched into the Tesla dealership and made an appointment. That's awesome. And they didn't know. And I was sitting in the Tesla giddy, like you said, like a kid on Christmas morning. Yeah. And, and now that I have that image in my mind and I feel what it feels like to be in that car, then it's so much easier to see it becoming a part of my life. Heck yeah. 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 Well, it'll just be a matter of time before you have the Tesla. But I mean, those are all like biblical things that you're doing because you're uh, without a vision, my people perish and, uh, and getting it written down and really specific and so then you just ask yourself the question, how do I get the Tesla? And yeah. it's just a matter of uh, what do I need to do? And, and yeah. for the people, you know, for those of you who are listening, it, you got to go a little bit deeper than that. And Neville teaches that it's when you've got the feeling of the car, it's also asking yourself, why do you want this car? 
and there's yeah. no right or wrong answer right like if you yeah. you have you know young kids that are playing hockey like I did and your dream car is I don't know an SUV then you know it's so that I can bring the kids to their sporting events with ease so I have yeah. more room when I do my Costco hauls so you know it's not about justifying it but it's about asking yourself why do I want this vehicle and the answer can be as simple as because it, it looks re- like I want a Ferrari because it, it it just looks really fun right it looks sure. fun it looks fast and it looks like I'd enjoy myself but asking yourself why do I want this that really yeah. helps breaking it down exactly so, yeah exactly so you were inspired by watching this biopic and you've been reading biographies. So what else have you been reading and, and watching that, that has well, lately? So I got to tell your listeners about this movie that I saw that just, it's the strangest thing. It's never happened to me before. That's why it's worth mentioning, Emma. So, uh, so it was my birthday, uh, mid-December. And I, I my wife's like, what do you want to do for your birthday? I honestly had no clue. Like, Kids, my kids' age, 21 and 18, they aren't impressed with good food, barely. So, <laughs> so, so I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm like, let's just go get some roast beef sandwiches instead of, you know, let's make it as calm and enjoyable as possible. It, but then I was like, well, we don't really have anything planned. And literally, when I say I did this at the last minute, I did this at the last minute. I logged out of my computer from the work day. I got my cell phone out and I found a movie that I've been wanting to see called King Richard. And it's about Richard Williams, the father of uh, Venus Williams, and I believe Serena Williams. Oh, I'm not great wow. names. The, the world famous tennis. Yeah. Player. And seeing those little girls practicing tennis in the rain. And I'm not going to use, you know, I'm not going to like ruin this movie for people. But knowing that they grew up in Compton, California, and uh, in seeing, and we already know they're triumphant world-class tennis players. They're world champions, actually. Actually, they're so good that they've had to play each other because there's not other worthy components. <laughs> yeah. Opponents, pardon me. And, uh, but Compton, California, with drive-by shootings yeah. and drug dealers and, and, and thugs, not that there aren't good people in Compton, California, but history will tell us that it's like one of the roughest places in the world to raise two daughters. And, and he was actually raising five. Wow. And, and what's so inspirational about it, and this comes out maybe the first 10 minutes of the movie, is that he didn't have two daughters and decide that they had the aptitude to, uh, to be world-class tennis players. He was watching TV one day and saw a woman win $40,000 for one tennis match. And at the time, he made $52,000 a year being a security guard a year. And, and he determined that he was doing it wrong. And so he told his wife, we need to have two more daughters. Are you serious? I'm very serious. And then he wrote a business plan on how he was going to take these two daughters and make them world-class tennis players. And he did it with very little financial resources, just a lot of drive. And I kid you not, while I was watching it, and and my wife can attest to this, like I'm not like a super emotional person. Like 
I do not get emotional hardly about, you know, I get like happy and stuff, but like the set, you know, the other side of it, the sad side, when you're crying and things like that, I'm not the guy that like, I've gone to funerals of, of my father and my brother and had trouble shedding tears. Yeah. Uh, when I was little, I went to the funeral of my grandfather and had trouble sh- sh- um, of, uh, of having tears, even though like he was such an instrumental part of my life. And he was as much a friend as he was a grandfather. Um, and we spent a lot of quality time together. But in this, Emma, I cried like a baby, like almost uncontrollably to the point where it was hard to contain myself. I've never experienced that. Why but do you think that is? I think I saw like my struggle in business mm. and, you know, against all odds, so to speak, and then being on the other side of being triumphant and, and seeing somebody else do it um, with more obstacles than I think I had, way more obstacles. Now I'm reading the gentleman, I'm, I'm reading Richard Williams' biography. It's called, I think, Black and White, How I See It. And, uh, and it goes into like, how much prejudice he had as a small child. Like, like we were talking about Christmas and I'm not going to ruin this book, but, uh, but being like non, uh, you know, uh, non-ethnic, so to speak, or Caucasian in the United States and in Canada, we really can't relate to like what he went through. Like when they see a white Santa, they really have trouble with like a white Santa, particularly he did. He literally sat in Santa's lap and Santa called him the N-word when he was like nine years old. Oh my God. Or maybe even younger than nine. Um, and, and here is a guy who, uh, I think Shreveport, Louisiana is where he grew up. Um, nothing wrong with Louisiana. I have a lot of friends in Louisiana and customers in Louisiana, but uh, the amount of ridicule and prejudice that he got just because of his skin color and, and the fact that he was able to garner self-confidence without a father and get in the car and go out to California and make something of himself and, and not a little something of himself, a huge something of himself and his family. Yeah. Just the amount of emotion that surrounds that for me is, is tremendous. Just, just because... Repeat no excuses for book anybody. So we can so we can go out and grab it. I think it's just called Richard Williams Black and White. Okay. Richard and Williams. And it's amazing that book. And 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 I want to tell your listeners that that book is not like you know, it's pretty sad parts of it. We know the victory part of it, but it's pretty sad like how some human beings are treated in the world. Oh, so yeah. uh so you might want to go kind of soft on it. It's not like a sit down and read it in two days kind of book. That might emotionally put you in the wrong place. It did me. Like, I've been inspired by it, but then also it's almost like too much spicy food. I need to yeah. kind of go easy on it, too. I like, think what overwhelms me is mm-hmm. the fact that because I'm such an empathic and emotional person, and when I, you know, watch movies like that or or read the biographies or even hear the headlines in the news it's how frustrated I feel that as one person yeah 
there's I like I can't do anything as one person. Yeah. I and I you. think that's overwhelming. And yeah, it's about, you know, joining causes and speaking up and standing up for what you believe in. But the overwhelming amount of odds stacked against some minorities still in this day and age, it's it's overwhelming. It really is. I and mean, you said something that I had. These folks. What's that? You said something that I had never considered and it just hit What's me that? so hard. And I feel so sad now. Oh, but, sorry. No, but when you mentioned that he had to sit on a white Santa's lap. I know. I never I, pon yeah. pondered the thought of how do you, how does that make sense? Right. How as a kid can you relate? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, trying to think when I very first heard that said, it was like by another biography that I read. Yeah, a minor black gentleman. Yeah. What's and that? But just thinking that Santa Claus is white. Yeah. And that, you know, if you're of Spanish descent or you're Portuguese or Santa's white and he speaks English. Yeah. Yeah, like. Yeah, I sent a bunch of uh, toys this year to a, uh, an orphanage uh, for uh, disadvantaged children here in the Dallas area. And I purposefully bought dolls that were black and Hispanic and white. No, I, I don't know if I got Asian ones or not. I might have. They, they just like sent my yoga studio sent out a laundry list of who we were supporting. And it was, they made it so easy. They're just like hit on this link in Amazon, order whatever you want, and it gets delivered right to the orphanage. And uh, and I thought that is so cool. I love it, especially well, with my I'm, kids not doing gifts, you know, not yeah. doing toys. I hate not buying toys at Christmas. I know, isn't it weird? It's very strange. It's very strange. It's very strange. I have to get that book. I will definitely read it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah. And, and then so, uh, I think Serena Williams has one too called On the Line, um, which is also a really good book. The reason I got, I get that. I think I mentioned that on our last uh, interview. I get in, a, in like some kind of subject matter and then I get all over it. Like <laughs> I think last year I bought and read five different books on the life of Marilyn Monroe because I wanted to understand her life from different perspectives. And then two, I didn't know if I was being told the truth, so yeah. to speak. So, uh, and what I found was that Marilyn Monroe was very intelligent and a very good actress. And she not only uh, played a role in public, but, but she played Marilyn Monroe playing a character so mm. to speak, which is interesting. It's almost like if you think back to the days of, uh, oh, let me think here, um, famous man, male actor, Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds played Burt Reynolds playing Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah, they, they knew what, she knew what she was doing. Oh my God. She created a persona, yeah. In spades. Yeah, in, she's, in, one of, she's, yeah. she's one of the... Uh, She's one of my idols for many reasons, but. Oh, really? Okay. That's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, she so, is. Yeah, that's awesome. And I think it's it's it goes far deeper than what people saw on the service. I think she was a genius. Yes. And I think she was um, way more intuitive, in tune, and sensitive mm-hmm. uh, than most people give her credit for. And I think that part of the numbing with the alcohol and the pills was oh, that yeah. she was just overly sensitive to the energies. Oh people. my God. Yeah. You know, she could see through the, you know, I like to say that life mm-hmm. is like a parade, right? We're just like watching, watching, watching it go by. And I think she knew that she was very well aware of that. And she knew that she had to play the game and yeah. she was good at playing the game. Um, oh, yeah. it was, it's an empty game. You know, she, she knew what yeah. she had. True. But at the True. end of the day, no one wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt of having these philosophical conversations. And she was very spiritual. Yeah. And yeah, very and well it, read. Yeah. Just it's strange. But yeah. Yeah. She, you know, think about Emma somebody Jean with Baker, a vision. Yeah. Like she used to sit in her really run down Hollywood apartment and she'd look out the window and, and she would just say to herself i'm like the most successful actress in hollywood yeah and so much vision and then two like she didn't like her history and so she decided she got a picture of uh uh what's his name you know from gone with the wind clark gable Clark gable. she got a picture of clark gable and framed it and put it on her bedside nightstand yeah and uh and decided that that was her father. I remember seeing that in a documentary. Did you? Okay. Yeah. I mean, isn't that so smart though? Like, yeah. you know, was she reading like positive motivational books to like figure all this out? She was really into poetry. Yeah. Yeah, she was yeah. really into poetry. She was a very soul. And, and the famous poets too, like she mm-hmm. read famous works that they would have you read in like an English lit course at a college yeah. level or a master's class level. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, wanting to split the personalities of where you come from versus what you know you can be. Yeah. And I think that a lot of the great comedians and actors, a lot of them that mm-hmm. have taken their own life, uh, kind of suffer from that, from being, you know, I think of Robin Williams and I I feel like he was such an empathic, intuitive person who could see through the game and the parade as well, if that makes sense. You know? Yeah, Yeah. very smart guy. Yeah. And it's like the true authentic me is not the one that's going to sell out the, the movies and the stadiums and the sell the records and be invited to the White House to sing for the president, you know? Exactly. And you go on so long wearing that that costume, that mask, that it's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. The tears behind the clown makeup. Exactly. So here's something yeah. about Robin Williams. You might have read this too, but um, I can't remember where I read it. But uh, again, I think I was just, seeing a biopic on uh, on Robin Williams and just trying to understand like what went wrong in his life and you know we know what went right but what went wrong in his life and um 
and they said that before he went on, and this was in New York City, I think it was when he played the Met in New York City, he had everybody get out of the room for an hour, out of his dressing room, everybody, his manager, anybody that was associated with the show out of his dressing room for one hour. And, uh, and he put his head in his hands and he just focused on what he was going to do in the show. Maybe wow. he prayed. I mean, nobody really knows what he did because everybody was out of the room. Yeah. And if you ever see that, I think it's called Live at the Met, Robin Williams in the late 80s. Um, the amount of energy he has and the amount of jokes that he tells at rapid speed. Like, <laughs> and it just, it's, it's not stand-up comedy like we think of stand-up comedy. It's not, a it's not a linear show he puts on. It's a comedic explosion of intelligence is the way I would describe what you see shot out of a cannon at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, and I think, uh, I think that he, uh, he struggled with a lot of inner demons. Oh, yeah. Because that level of creative genius you kind of stand alone. You're kind of always, I don't want to say dumbing yourself down, mm -hmm. but dimming your light so that you can stand in a room with others. Yeah. If that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're in a league of your own. Yeah. You know, I, uh, the conversations you want to have yeah. and the, the, the talks and you, you can't just have those kinds of conversations like you and I are having because you're constantly under a microscope. Yep. You know, yeah, thing. yeah. you say exactly. one thing that's a yeah. little woohoo and they're going to send you to the loony banner. Tabloids are going <laughs> to come out and say, that's it. He's cracking up. Right. Right. Well, I think Paul McCartney says it best when he says there's not a lot of difference between genius and insanity. No, and, it's and, a very and fine line. And, and, and that's a Paul McCartney quote. <laughs> and uh, from what I can tell, studying the geniuses of our lifetime and beyond, um so so true yeah it's true it's true it's um it's a very particular feeling you know yeah. to observe someone that you know is like you said the actress playing the actress yeah i love that it's so true though because she wasn't playing herself she was playing herself playing Marilyn Monroe, playing a part. Hmm. And, uh, and boy, that's really that's deep. difficult to do. That's really deep. I'm going to ponder that for a hot second. You know what? I believe so much that the universe sends us exactly what we need to hear when we need to hear it. I think I've told you that before. Yeah. There's always a reason people cross paths, but you know, I mentioned that Marilyn Monroe is my, she's my sign. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. It's very strange. It's, uh, you know, we can go into that in, in another episode, but whenever I need a sign or a confirmation from the universe, I get Marilyn Monroe, whether that's a, a, a picture of her hanging up somewhere or, uh -huh. you know, it, 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 it's so the fact that you brought it up, but oh, the wow. question that I'd been asking myself, you know, the, uh -huh. the last few days over the holidays was, what roles have I assigned myself in this lifetime 
what roles do I play in which aspects of my life and which ones are authentically me and which ones have I beautifully developed to allow those relationships to run smoothly uh-huh you know and I interesting it's funny that I was I was journaling on this yesterday and I said mm-hmm. you know the word that comes up ever since I was little I would say you know I'm a chameleon I'm adaptable people like me right like mm-hmm. I can roll with the punches I can just sit at the table with the big boys and I can be really really silly and you sit at the kiddie table as well but I think as you grow older, you realize that being a chameleon is also developing different personas and different aspects of your life. And so yeah. when you just said the actress playing the actress playing the actress, it's funny because it's like, who am I when I show up in this context? Is that in alignment with who I truly am now? Yeah. Well, and I don't that- know if it's so much like split personalities per no. se. It's more like roles that we play. Hmm. Like, like no, because uh, my heart is always the same, right? So if it was a split yeah. personality, I might be, you know, angry. Well, or, no, my heart is always kind, but you know how you're just more tall. You tolerate more crap from certain people in your life. Right. And then you tell yourself, if this person were to talk to me like that or do this to me, I would never stand for it. Sure. You know, so it's different roles that we play. And it's just, I think we we do need to do a check-in with ourselves and say, you know, is this serving me? Yeah. Are all of these these roles that I've created for myself, are they all serving me? Maybe they are for now. Mm -hmm. But maybe just to tweak them and clean up shop a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, the positive side of that is the more the the more developed the human being, in my opinion, the more roles we play. That's true. Because like I, you know, I'm, I'm most familiar with myself, but I, so like, I know the role of me as a business person. I know the role of me as an extrovert yeah. when I'm out and about. I also know the role of me as an introvert when I'm by myself and I'm just as comfortable with being an introvert as I am with being an extrovert. Yeah. I think that's kind of unusual. That's why I can hang out with extroverted people. and and introverted people. And I think that's emotional competence. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that, you know, analyzing or assessing the roles that we play and how we show up in different aspects is a negative thing. I think it's a highly developed skill and it's, you know, being emotionally intelligent and and competent. But I do think that we outgrow certain roles Mm -hmm. and we don't often check in to see if they're still in alignment. And we need to talk about it in, in the sense that like we don't, people don't really talk about, except maybe I guess with their therapists, so to speak, um, what they go through, honestly, in my opinion. So true. Like I'm a logical thinker. I'm also like, I understand emotional intelligence. And when I woke up on the 26th of December, I was a little depressed. Same. And, and I'm a motivational speaker. Same. And, and, and I'm like, and, and so I'm like, I'm so glad you're saying that. And I'm like, well, let's be honest. The yeah. holiday's over. Yeah. You know, it's such an elated time period. It's also, it's, you get on a high. Yeah. That you can't get any other time than. And people are kinder. 
people are kinder people are in a giving mood it's like all love and you know it's, yeah. it's kind of vibing. and then you're like oh you know it's yeah the house is beautifully decorated and yeah have, have an excuse to stay in your silly jammies <laughs> the, the kids are happier <laughs> yeah you know if you take christmas too far people think you're crazy you know yeah. but like no, i even think I go ahead i'm sorry Emma. I woke up feeling the same way yesterday. I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> you know. But, but the more you like embrace it and say, you know what, this is normal. This is how you should feel really. Because it's like, you know, you just spent a week at Disney and now you're going back to work on Monday. That's so, so true. And, uh, but, but the way I got through it, and maybe this will be helpful for your, uh, for your folks that listen is uh, I just got out and, walk three miles with my dog and I don't you know I'm thinking you guys probably have snow on the ground right now in Canada yeah, we do. it's freezing is it yeah but so you, know you guys what? might not be able to do that per se but uh, three miles but we can walk and it's true getting back in nature is such a nature and exercise and Tony Robbins says emotion comes from motion it's true and, and I know, love watching have... him do his warm-up like his uh-huh. energy pulls you know right before a talk or a show or he's in the zone man oh i know i know yeah. he's so serious about it he's been that way for a very very long time and he had a really tough upbringing really tough upbringing. yeah i'm so grateful that you and i had this conversation well i hope it helps some people because you just got to be honest with yourself that like you're gonna feel in and two, when January 1 hits or January 3rd, whenever people kick off their new business year, you know, that's going to be a gut check. It's true. And, 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 and two, you should expect to feel overwhelmed because we, as a, as a species, we get overwhelmed when we think of, you know, the whole elephant, so to speak. It's true. Is when 2022 hits the very first day of 2022 and i'm no exception um that elephant will just come right into your to your lifespan yeah that anxious and, feeling of i need to be doing yeah. doing 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 and 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 what you got to do is you got to step back and you got to think what little things can i accomplish to have a good 2022 and when you accomplish the little things the little things add up and you have a great 2022 but I'll give the wisdom of my mother. And this was given to me when I was freshman in college, Emma. And uh, I was so overwhelmed because I grew up in a small little town. I'm in a university now that has, I think, 24,000 kids attending. And uh, I was so overwhelmed. And it it was going to be, my mom was leaving on a Sunday. That Monday, I was starting my very first college course you know, didn't have the self-confidence that I have today or know who I am like I do today. And, uh, and I was just like, mom, I'm so scared. I mean, I was honest with her. I'm like, I'm petrified. And uh, she said something and it stuck with me the rest of my life. And I use it every year, almost every month of the year, because I'm expected to sell every month of the year at my company and at my business. And my mom said, John, and that's how she said it to me. I'm like, John, don't worry about the semester. Worry about getting up at eight o'clock and making it to the first class. And oh, then make it to I the love second it. class. 
And she's like, do it one hour and one day at a time. Ugh. And I thought, and she's like, be successful one hour and one day at a time and you'll have a great semester. She's Ooh, like- That was and, amazing, John. What a, what a perfect way to, to set ourselves up for a, an incredible new year. Be successful I hope so. an hour yeah. at a time. I yeah. freaking love it. See, the smile is back. I don't know if you can. Oh, well, good, good. Well, my mom will put a smile. She's so much wisdom. Oh, I love that. And it's true. It's absolutely true. We all need to hear it. We all need to hear it. We get overwhelmed. You know, we get probably like you had mentioned on the last podcast. It's like, you know, uh, what'd you say? We're uh, evoking pixie dust or something like that. I can't remember what you said. Hornic, uh, unicorn dust. Unicorn like dust, yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, of course, we all just got to kind of just, you know, make it down the road and enjoy the process, but not get too too up and not get too low and stay more even killed. And, and remember that it's just, you know, a day and an hour at a time. And when just you live, you know, when you can focus on one hour at a time, realize that the only moment that exists is now exactly the future isn't here yet yep in the past you can't get back yeah you know when i work with my clients and they're letting go of limiting beliefs and they're letting go of trauma and that's something that i say you know like those limiting beliefs are like bath water that trauma it's like bath water those thoughts it's like, you know, when you pull the plug in your bath or you're done a shower, mm-hmm. it's that dirty water that's gone down the drain. Like you can't scoop it back up. That's the past. Mm-hmm. We can't scoop it back up. We can't will it back up no matter how hard we try. And thinking of the future, it's it hasn't happened yet, but worrying is, is not going to allow the outcome that you desire to come through. The only moment that exists is now. That's the only tangible tangible real thing you have any control over so I love what your mama said because by living an hour at a time you're allowing yourself to be where it matters most and that's now exactly that's my unicorn dust for today John okay I like it I like live in the now I'm a big believer let's live in the now I'm so grateful that you came on today oh awesome I hope that you uh you you ease into the new year yeah hey am I going to be able to uh tell everybody about my book and my course of course you can you can always tell everybody about your book and your course awesome well let me know and I'll I'll tell everybody about my book and my course tell us now don't leave us hanging okay all right so I (laughs) he's teasing us guys John is teasing us (laughs) (laughs) well you know what so many people don't know the art of uh subtlety so um so i have been and you know this emma professionally selling for 31 years and and it's been a quest and and the reason why i've had this vision kind of for the world so to speak is because i believe that there's wisdom that isn't quite in print that that i possess that is now in print and uh, and it's out on amazon and it's called sales warrior uh, inspiring better future and manifesting your goals is kind of the tagline behind it. But the reason I wrote the book was I just put my 31 years of people wisdom and mental tools out there for the world to read 
and digest and hopefully use in their life. And, uh, and my book is only $10, so it couldn't be more reasonable. And then, uh, and then two, I have two master classes on Teachable. Uh, one of my master classes is called Sales Warrior uh, Boot Camp, and it's a uh, it's a three day boot camp broken down into uh, twelve segments that can be either taken over a you know one hour a day or for twelve days or half an hour a day for. Uh, 24 days, or a person could also do it three days at four hours a day, whatever you want to do at the end of each one of the sections is a workbook. So you have something tangible to, uh, to garner the knowledge. And it's a very good compliment to my book. And it's such a good compliment to my book. If you buy my course, I'll give you a book for free. I love it. You're so generous. Well, you know, at the end of the day, all we have is our ability to give to others and uh, having is not as important as giving. That's so true. That was so beautifully said. And so to all of our listeners who would like to, uh, you know, scoop up and absorb John's wisdom uh, that he's acquired and perfected and uh, shared with many corporations and many people over the last 31 years, head over to Teachable, find his course, get his book. Um, I am so grateful for you and your time and your energy. And I look forward oh, to chatting with you again so. in the new year. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll just mention to your folks, uh, saleswarriorinspire.com is, is a way to link up to, uh, to all my stuff. And I'm definitely not in competition with Emma because I'm not a uh, I'm not a coach. I just really have digital products out there for people to to learn on their own. I love it. Thank you, John. And we are oh, going yeah, to uh, we're going to continue working together and and uh, and and raising the the consciousness and and helping people, you know, through business and life and love. And I'm grateful that you and I are collaborating. Absolutely, Emma. Um, hopefully everybody can get through this holiday hangover. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, get, get back to their, uh, their normal, uh, normalcy, uh, emotional aptitude. Yeah. And emotional physique, so to speak. I it's agree. So, so important. Be successful one hour at a time. I like it. Yeah. I like it too. Your mom was onto something. Thanks, John. You got it, Emma.